The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Six days after Peter had acknowledged Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, it took us about 11 years, but we finally... My family and I relented this week to that other liturgical season called Ski Week. And we went up to Shasta. And my daughter got on skis for the very first time. And uh, it's a little bit like the gospel today. She fell a number of times, and we would go and say, get up. Do not be afraid. Of course, she will probably say to her dying breath that it was also my first time on skis. And as she was telling people just last night, I fell more often than she did. Whether or not that's an alternative fact, I will leave to higher judges to decide. But the pull of the mountain was there always. And you go up to Shasta, as many people go up to Tahoe, and I began to understand what people have been telling me all these years about the draw of the mountains and why some of our families disappear for weeks, sometimes months at a time during ski season on the weekends, and why a few have actually had the courage to tell me that they would much prefer to be up on the mountain, or on the trail, or on this mountain over here, or near the water on a Sunday morning than here, because, because that's where they encounter God. That's where they feel the divine moving. And you see, when Peter gets up on the mountaintop, and he sees Jesus transfigured, and he's having this moving experience. What does he do? Well, he wants to institutionalize it, put a box around it. And what have we done in the institutional church?
So it's little wonder that many of our brothers and sisters had that tug that keeps them outside these walls on a Sunday morning because they feel that same tug that so many feel when they are drawn to Shasta, which for decades has been a center of spiritualism, a center to go and encounter God and the Spirit and everybody from Buddhists to New Age folk to Christians are drawn up there because there's something about that place And it's that something we hear about in this reading today when Moses is on Mount Sinai. It is that primitive pull, and I don't mean that in a bad sense. It's buried deep in our programming and our human DNA. And what I'm talking about is I'm talking about that draw into those raw places in the world where there is both danger and beauty and new life and death all wound up together. Shasta, as many of you know, is a dormant volcano. And you can't be up there for very long and you see the beauty of the landscape and some of the evidence of the more recent geologic activity up there, and you realize that everything up there is temporary. Someday, it will all be remade, and remade quite radically. We may have to dust the ashes off of our doorsteps when that happens. In the story about Moses and Mount Sinai, we hear that recognition which goes back to the very foundations of our tradition. In fact, some anthropologists will tell us that Yahweh probably was originally a fire or volcano god. Dangerous because, as we know about volcano gods of ancient times, that they both are creators of new life, and destroyers of life. And that early primordial image that we have still enshrined in the Torah, those core scriptures of the Jewish tradition, is an image of a god of fire, the god who leads the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt, leads them by a pillar of fire by night, and a cloud of smoke during the daytime. And when that finally arrives on Mount Sinai and Moses goes up into it, you can only imagine what the people must have been thinking. And after 40 days and 40 nights, you can imagine the people were thinking, Moses ain't coming back down. The author of Matthew wants us to hear a recapitulation of that ancient narrative in today's gospel as Jesus takes his closest followers with him up on the mountaintop and is transfigured before them, revealed in all of his glory. And even more than that, meets with the two great heroes of their tradition, Moses and Elijah, communes with them. And like all of us who 
go to the mountains or to the bay or to the seaside or wherever we go to find that unspoken and wordless intimacy with God, Peter, James, and John are transformed, frightened, in awe, in wonder. They've fallen down on their skis. It is as if to say, this is who Jesus really is. It answers a question that they had when they first encountered him as simple fisher folk on the seashore by the Sea of Galilee. But now that they understand who he is, it's an understanding that's not just an intellectual idea or even a traditional piece of language. It's something in their bones and they can't quite explain it. And even more than that, as they come down the mountainside, Jesus tells them, share this with no one. Because it is something they will not understand or even be able to put into words until the end of the journey, which involves the cross and the resurrection. We hear this story every year on the eve of Lent, the very end of the season after the Epiphany, the season where we are exploring who Jesus is for us. And we come to the end, we come to this transfiguration experience, and it is like those mountaintop experiences that we have all had, some of which we still cannot put into words, where we get up to the mountaintop and we see both what has come before us and what must come after us, where we see that we really are very small in a great universe after all. And that that universe is in an ongoing process of change and transfiguration. Not even the ground we stand on will remain still forever. But we also see the Lent before us. And that is what Peter, James, and John must encounter as they follow Jesus back down the mountain to face the crowds and the people who are clamoring to be healed and that long and dangerous road that leads to Jerusalem. They have to pluck up their courage now. They have to carry this experience with them and let it nurture and guide them through the challenges that are ahead. Moses has to come back down the mountainside too. And we all know what happens then. He encounters a people who are rebellious and wayward. He brings to them 
the commandments of God, which will be a cause of struggle for them and for their progeny for countless generations. That's what it means to be Israel, a word that literally means to struggle and strive with God. So we leave this season after Epiphany with this mountaintop image. And we think about our brothers and sisters who are out there right now on the slopes, on the trails, finding God, and coming back coming back here to life and to work and to the struggles of the day in and day out. Having seen or glimpsed for a moment greater glory. Something we are called to do and recapitulate each Sunday when we gather here. Don't be too fascinated by the booth. what my grandmother used to call window dressing. It's here for one reason and one reason alone, and that is to give us a taste of the transfigured Christ. Not so that we may enshrine it forever, but so that we may follow Jesus back down the mountainside and take this as our nourishment out into a world that is in desperate need of our ministrations, of our hope, of our touch for healing. A world that really is falling down on its skis right now, needing a helping hand, someone to say, get up. Do not be afraid. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread, and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.